Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for today and we thank you for this moment. We thank you for this hour. This opportunity to be with you, to glorify you. That we don't see me or anyone else, but that we see you, that we hear you, that we acknowledge you today. We say thank you. Thank you for being patient with us. Thank you for being slow to anger. Thank you that the blood of Jesus held back and holds back your wrath against us. That because of his blood, you have mercy for us. How amazing that is. May we never, ever take that for granted. That we are nothing but wretched sinners saved by a loving God. And it was you who loved us first, not us who loved you first. So we thank you that. And our highest calling today is to love you back, is to be a son and to be a daughter before you. We pray today in the next few moments that we're still before you, that we're here to listen to you, hear your voice, do what only you can do through the power of your Holy Spirit. And God's people said, amen. Praise God. I want to talk to you this morning about the power of perspective first before we migrate into this story. In the first part, can we put the very first uh, part of the scripture back up there, please? Uh, where it talks about that the people of God had, there it is. He was kept, Peter was kept in prison, but fervent and persistent prayer for him was being made to God by who? By the church. It wasn't a building. A building wasn't praying, right? Like this building doesn't pray. So the building is not the church. Remember, we've been talking about that. This whole, this whole book, this whole study through the book of Acts is to help us have a shift in perspective. Like for so long, so many of us, we have said, if you come to this building, God can change your life. And he absolutely can. And I pray that every time we're together, he does. But God does not live in this building. So what, as your pastor, what I've been trying to get us to do is to change our perspective and see that God does not stay here when we leave, but he is a God that abides with us and that goes with us. Amen. That's good news. So when you go to the gym, guys and women, if you work out, when you go to the gym and you're on the gain train, if you know what the gain train is, you got to get on it. But when you, when you go and you, you're, if you go to the gym, the Lord's with you. When you go to the work, when you go to work, he, he's with you. For our soldiers in the house, when you go to the field, he's with you. When you go on deployments, like to South Korea, he's with you. Or to Kuwait, or to Afghanistan, or to Iraq. Or my goodness, when you go to Walmart, thank God he's with us when we go to Walmart. Amen. Praise the Lord. I don't know what kind of people live in Walmart, but anyway, that's a whole other story. But he's with us. David went on to say it this way. If I ascend to the highest of mountains, you are there. If I go to the deepest part of the ocean, you are there. If I soar on the wings of eagles, you are there. What David is trying to paint for us, this picture that God is with him wherever he goes. Do you believe that today? 
If you're struggling with that, then I'm a messenger from the Lord to tell you that God is with you wherever you go. You say, Pastor Matt, wherever I go? And I'm saying, yeah, he's with you wherever you go. He doesn't leave us or forsake us because of a location. How shallow is that? God's not like that. He's with us wherever we go. Now think about some of the places that we take God. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You were at the nightclub last night. Sorry about that. But anyway, think about some of the places we take God. Think about some of the conversations that we bring God into. If we've established and agreed on the fact that wherever we go, God is there. Think about some of the conversations that we have because God is with us that he he hears. Doesn't it make you want to change the way you talk? It does me. Because if I'm truthful and honest and transparent with you, there's been some things I've said even this week that now that I say that out loud, I've been prepping and for this moment I've been thinking like, oh my goodness, I'm going to cut my own tongue out. Now you don't have to raise your hand. You can act holier than thou and sit there like you got it all together. But I know the truth. How many inside would raise a hand and say, oh, snap, Pastor Matt, you shouldn't have said that because I said some things this week that if God was with me, I hope he didn't hear. Yeah. Awesome. You raise your hands. Awesome. Oversaved, whatever, you know, (laughs) I'm just kidding. The power of perspective. All the parents in the house, all the teenagers in the house, listen to your pastor this morning. So make sure your student is awake. Make sure their ears are attentive. To all the young people who are in their 20s, now that I'm in my 40s, perspective is powerful, isn't it? I mean, who among us in here, not just being older, but who among us in here at one point hasn't said out loud or had the thought, if I only knew then, finish it for me, what I know now. (laughs) Yea, Lord. If I only knew then what I know now. My life could look drastically different. If I knew then what I know now, and if I just knew in my 20s what I know in my 40s. Is anybody in the house ever wish you could go back to your younger self and just strangle them? Or am I the only one? You know, like you want to snatch them out of something and like do the whole three stooges for those who know what three stooges is, you know, you're just missing out. But, but, but seriously, I mean, there's times where I, I wish I could go back to my younger self, find my younger self and say, Hey, stupid, listen, I'm living in the future. And I'm telling you right now, if you date her, bro, this is going to mess some things up. Stay away from her. She's got the spirit of Jezebel, yeah, saying to thee. See, my mom's not here, but that's the truth. She told me that one time about a girl I was dating. Not my wife, but. So I'd go to the Bible. I was like, spirit of Jezebel, what is that? What in the world? <laughs> I read about Jezebel. You can find out what I'm talking about. If I knew then what I know. You, you see, the power of perspective is different. 
Because when I look through the lens of a man who is 40, I see things differently than the lens of a man when I was 20. When I was 20, I could conquer the world. Invincible. Nothing can stop me. Nothing can kill me. I could drive 100 miles an hour like the Dukes of Hazard, jump over a barn. No big deal. Live like you're living in the movies. That's how I felt like. I feel like I could watch a movie. It's like, I can do that. I get in my car. I could drive right through that house and no big deal. How do they, how do they did it? I can do that. Any teenagers in the house, you feel that way? You ever look at something, you just feel invincible? I know I feel that way sometimes. All the young people in the house, I remember that. But, you know, when you get 40 and you start really paying bills and you got to pay for stuff and work for stuff and labors for stuff, you're like, there ain't no way I'm driving my car through that barn. Man, I got to put new shocks on. I got to get a paint job. I got to pay the deductible on the insurance. Forget about it. (laughs) Whatever, you know, I'm going to get in my car and we'll politely drive home. And I'm going to go to bed like at 9 o'clock. I'm tired. Amen, amen, amen. You know, stuff just stops working the way it used to. Can I just tell you what, on a side note, for those that I'd always, I can remember my dad when he, when they came to this church, he was in his early 40s, like where I am now. And I can remember as, as, a, young, as a teenager looking at my dad, I was like, come on, dad, let's go. Let's get up and go. Let's do it. And he's like, I'm trying, son. Like, give me a second. It takes a while. You know, you got to get warmed up, like 20 minutes just thinking about it first before you do it. You don't just get off the floor. You think about how you're going to do it. When Holly and I come kneel down in prayer, that's the gospel truth. I look at her. I was like, hey, do you feel like going out and kneel down all right? You think we can get back up? All right, let's go kneel down together. Because if, if there's a question, we're not going to do it. So when you get 40, like the older you get, stuff just, you just can't do it. The power of perspective. And if I knew then what I know now, and I would change some things. And that's the truth. As your pastor, there are some things that I would change. There are some places that I would not go. There are some people that I would not be yoked to. That'll preach. Look at your neighbor and say, did you catch that? That was a freebie. To all the young people in the house, Jesus wasn't joking when he said, don't be unequally yoked. He actually meant it. He actually meant it. To every teenager in the house, what he's telling you is, because you're like, what's a yoke? What in the world is it? An egg yoke? Don't be, what? Because we, seriously, we don't, our farmers don't really farm like that anymore. But there used to be, church, the reason why Jesus would say that is because this yoke was this wooden device with iron or metal uh, inserts that would come around the actual neck of the ox. And what they would do is they would pick oxen of the, of the same age who had the same stride so that a farmer didn't have a funky-looking field. Who wants to harvest a field that goes like this? You can't do it. But they would pick them the same, where they had the same stride. Come here, Holly. She's got her heels on, so we match today. I want you to see something. So that when we're walking together, we're in stride together. This is why it's important for husbands and wife to come to church together, so you can walk together. But if I get up here, things are a little, come closer, baby. When I pull on your arm like that, that's what that means. Okay. <laughs> You should know that after 18 years. Yes, 18 years of marriage. But watch. When, when things are off, come on, somebody. It's off. 
And so for every teenager in the house, if you're yoked with somebody right now and you're up in the Lord's house on Sundays and Wednesdays worshiping God and you're dating some dude or hanging around some girl that's that's not where you are, just love them in, with the love of the Lord. Let go of the other kind of love and find you somebody that you can walk with. Amen. For every married couple in here. Come on, somebody. If you're. If the wife is the one doing all the praying and the husband's doing the slacking, she's going to go before him and you're going to be playing catch up and you're going to get frustrated because she's talking at a different level than you, walking at a different level than you and pulling on you. But <laughs> it would look weird if I had Pastor Tim. So I'm, no idea. Are you hearing my heart today, church? The power of perspective. My goodness, if what we knew then, what we know now, amen. I love on you like that before things get weird. Okay. The power of perspective. Could it be, could it be that God sees things differently than us? Do you believe that today? I do. See, when you stand up here on the stage, it's much easier for me to see the people in the back. Let me tell you what they're doing right now. It's easier for me to see what's going on. It's a shift in perspective. I'm still me. I'm still here. But all I did was shift my perspective. Look at your neighbor and say, shift your perspective. You're still you. You still go to the same job. You're still married to the same person, hopefully. You're still, that was a joke. It's okay, though. You're still you, but what you've done is you've shifted your perspective. So the way that you used to see things, you stop seeing them that way, and you start seeing things a little differently. So that we don't get later on in life and say, I wish I knew then what I know now. No wonder the Lord says that the steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. Psalm 1, blessed is the man who walks and not sits in the council or walks or sits in the council of the ungodly. Right? Blessed is the man. Are you hear my heart today, church. We, I think for a lot of us, we need to shift our perspective. It's the faculty of seeing all of the relevant data. Is anyone else in here easily distracted? Somebody said it. I think we did that last year, like two years ago, squirrel. Like I get a lot of messages on Facebook. Like People send me stuff all the time that they want me to look at. And I love looking at all of it, so keep sending it. My, my, here's my point, though. I'll get these messages, and they pop up my phone like all the time, so I'll go read it. Because sometimes it's something urgent that, that I need to call them or pray for them right away or whatever it looks like. And sometimes someone sends me a joke or this YouTube video or whatever it is. And so you know who you are. So... <laughs> Here's my point, though. I'll open up Facebook, and I'll see that n number down there, like 10 or whatever, like 10 messages. But then I see this feed. I'm like, oh, what is that? Click on that. And then I'm lost on reading this weird article about vegetables and cancer and something, whatever. And then I'm like, oh, I need to check these messages. Then I go, you know how you do? You go back, you click that arrow, you go back to Facebook. And then there's another article. I'm like, man, what is that? What? And it's just enough to get your attention. Anyone else, you following me? I see some of you laughing because you know what I'm talking about. 
And then before you know it, it's like 20 minutes gone by. Like, what just happened? Like, it's like yesterday. You know, like, I, I, did, I woke up, and it's, it's tomorrow, you know what I mean? Distracted. And, and, and I say that because it tells us what it is. It's, it's the faculty of seeing all of the relevant data. God has this ability to sort through all the stuff, to filter through it really, really quick. That quick. Quicker than that. That God can look at our life from at our life from His perspective and sort through all the stuff that matters and the stuff that that doesn't matter. So all the stuff that we get distracted about, aren't you glad that our heavenly Father doesn't get distracted about that? So that when fear has us seized and captivated, God's like, no, no, I'm not fooling around with that. We'll just let that one go. Or when we're doubtful about life or about someone or we're skeptical, skeptical about God, he says, no, no, we'll just sort right through that. Let's, let's get to the relevant data. Let's get to the issue. Let's get to the root of what's going on. Are you hearing my heart today, church? The power of perspective. Everyone say this out loud with me. The power of, one more time, the power. One more time. Power of perspective. I want to give you some quotes about perspective. This is by Douglas Adams says, The fact that we live at the bottom of a deep gravity well on the surface of a gas-covered planet going around a nuclear fireball 90 million miles away and think this to be normal is obviously some indication of how skewed our perspective tends to be. Abraham Lincoln said this, We can complain because rose bushes have thorns or rejoice because thorn bushes have roses. Say that fast five times. You know, good luck. Finish this one for me. The glass is either half full or. What about stairs? We have stairs in our church. Are the stairs going up or down? Depending on your perspective. If you're at the top, they're going down. You hear my heart today, church. There's a power in perspective. How do we do that? How do we shift our perspective? How do we truly begin to see things through the lens of God? How do we do that? I would make the argument in the case before you today that we must pray. We must pray together. We must be people of prayer. How do I change what I'm seeing? How do I change what I'm hearing? How do I change how I feel and what I know to be true? I have to pray. The early church taught us well, many lessons that we've learned up to this point. I think none greater than what we're talking about today is the power of prayer, to pray, to seek God, to hear him. This is a quote that I want to give you that's mine. You can quote me later if you like. You can put it on Facebook, whatever. This is free. There's no copyright infringement with this. I think prayer is as much about listening and hearing as it is much about, as, as much about speaking. So often our common denominator for many of us when we pray is to rush right in wherever that's at, whether we're at a church altar, whether we're at our car, in our car, whether we're in a cubicle at work, if you work on an assembly line or warehouse, wherever you are, and it's just a vomit onto God how you feel. Literally, almost, like sometimes. And you just, and you... Everyone else see someone vomit and you want to vomit too? I don't know why I just thought that. But at any rate, 
I think for a lot of us, we would do well when we come before the Lord to pray. If we would just be quiet before him. Hear my heart today, church. Does the Lord want to hear you say out loud what's happening in your life? Yes. Everyone say yes. Your pastor is not telling you not to come before the Lord and not tell him. We are told many, many times, and for time's sake, we're not going to cover all of those examples, but just to tell you that we are to make our petitions made known unto the Lord. Absolutely. We're to let him know our request. But God is not deaf. Like if you say something to God, he doesn't go, what? I'm sorry. Say that in my good ear. Holly's made a lot of fun of me lately fun of me lately because I've been saying what a lot. She doesn't know I just got selective hearing. I think many of you, your husbands do as well. Like I told you that last week. I told you that yesterday. You did not. Lying woman, you did not say that. You say that before the Lord. I'm not saying that you say that. But But Noah, if you pray to God, he doesn't say, what? I'm sorry. I, I don't think I caught that. Say it in my good ear. Larry, if you go before the Lord when you're out trying to protect the city and you're praying, like, Lord, keep me safe. He's like, what? What was that? I'm sorry. What? I didn't think I caught that. Was it keep, give you a, what? Keep you, what was that? Keep you what? Give you something? What? Someone say God's not like us. I hear my heart today, church. When we pray, he hears us. But I think a lot of us would do well if we would come before him. We make our petition known before the Lord and give him a chance to talk back. Let's give him a chance to speak. Let's give him an opportunity so we can hear him. So many times we dominate the conversation and God's just like, just keep talking. You're going to back yourself in a corner. You did it last week and you're going to do it again. So just go ahead. Keep talking. Aren't you glad that we're not God? Oh, yeah, you should like shout at amen, like I'm jumped up and down. Like, seriously, think about the person you're literally sitting next to. What if they were God? You wouldn't be here. You might even be sitting next to your spouse, and you know it. You're like, oh, Pastor May, you have no idea. This morning on the way to church, like, I would have used a lightning rod. <laughs> but God's not like us. And Miguel, when we make our petition known to the Lord, he says, I hear my son talking to his father. He's not this God that is in a galaxy so far, far away like Star Wars. He is a God that abides with us. And we are his sons and his daughters. So that when we talk to him, he says, that's my daughter. I know her voice. That's Jenny. I know who that is. And here's the beauty of it. He calls us by name. So he says, that's Wendy talking to me. Let me hear what you got to say. But in fairness, can you hear what I have to say? I think often we don't want to listen to God because we don't want to hear what he has to say back to us. Because sometimes the Lord tells us no. And we're like our children. We are a lot like our kids. We don't like no. We don't deal with no very good. What do you mean no? What you talking about, Willis? (laughs) A whole generation doesn't even know what that means. (laughs) I got to keep moving. We ask God to move mountains, and I believe that God God can, and I believe that he will, and that I believe that he he does. Has anyone ever seen God move a mountain in your life? Amen? Thank the Lord for that. I have. But my question to you today is, what do we do when we're the mountain? 
when we're the immovable object? What do we do when we're so obstinate and our will is so strong and opposed to God that we're going to pray, but the truth is we don't really care what he thinks? What do we do when we're saying God move the mountain and God is saying, you're the mountain. You want me to move it? Okay. I will move it. And you're like, God, why are you shifting me? And why are you pushing me? And what's going on here? And God said, you asked me to move the mountain. The problem is you're the mountain right now. Come on, somebody. That's good. And I'm not saying this is always the case, but sometimes our will, we're opposing God. We're so obstinate. We're so uh, opposing God that he might want to do something that's different than we think he should do. And therefore, we oppose him and we resist him. And we're saying, God, answer my prayer. And he's like, I am. I'm pushing you. If we sit down at a table and have a conversation with God, it's not that God leaves change. It is us that should leave changed. In prayer, when we get up from our knees after praying, it is not the expectation that God conforms to us. Prayer is so that we can conform to him. Amen? So Jesus tells us best in Matthew chapter 6, our Father who is in heaven, what? Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth that is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the glory forever and ever. Amen. It's called the Lord's Prayer. It should really be called the Disciples' Prayer because he told his disciples, when you pray, pray this way. And he's telling us how to pray. And he's showing us a better way. Amen? Do you believe that Jesus showed us a better way in every way? And so when he tells us, when you pray, pray this way. God, you are in heaven and I am not. You are on your throne and I am not. I might be on a toilet praying right now on that throne, but, but, but you're on your throne. And he tells us how to pray. Jesus says when you pray, which, what we're doing, church, is we're shifting our perspective. That's what he was showing them. He's saying if you pray from your lens, you're, you're going to pray about your stuff. You're going to want God to do. He's not a genie in a bottle. And if you keep praying and hoping that if you rub him, rub that genie enough, God's going to pop open and like Aladdin grant you three wishes, that's not God. He's, he's not your butler. He's not your maid. He's not your genie in a bottle. Amen? He is sovereign. He does what he wants when he wants. Are you hearing my heart today, church? And so if we're asking God to grant us wishes, you're serving the wrong Lord. The real prayer that we should be praying is, God, I want you to do what you want to do. Please don't do what I want to do. Help me to come alongside with you. So God forges us and he changes us. The gentleman, Dwayne, that came up to read a while ago is a blacksmith. He's studying that trade, literally, right now. He's, he's learning to forge and be a blacksmith. He's got some really cool stuff that he's made. The definition of forge is to form by heating and hammering. To what? What does it say out loud? Beat into shape. To form or make, especially by concentrated effort. Do you ever feel like sometimes, like, this is you? Like you're a raw piece of metal? And it's like, wham! But that's what prayer is. It's forging us. And if we're willing to let God shape us into something, we'll come away from a time of prayer better than who we were when we stood, when we came before him. Are you with me today, church?
That's what prayer is. It's God's opportunity for us to be more like him and less like us. And I don't know about you, but if anything, I want that more than anything. As John 3.30 says, Lord, may you increase and may I decrease. So when we pray, it is God literally forging us. He's taking something raw, something real. And when we're praying, God, let your will be done. He's saying, all right, because you prayed, I'm going to show you what my will is. And I'm going to make you into something awesome and amazing. But it's a process. You don't just pray one time, do you, sometimes? Sometimes you got to pray for days or weeks. Anybody ever prayed for years? We read in Acts, as we read in Acts, it says that fervent and persistent prayer. I think the issue with the church today is that we have the spirit of giving up. And we want to bail out. And we want to give up so quickly when we need to be persistent with our prayer. And they were praying for Paul to be released. And he was. But they were offering fervent and persistent prayer that he would be released. I want to close with this. Hey, Noah, will you come and help me? I just want to, um, I just want to separate, like, all the cup, big cups and little cups. All right, so I could ask the volunteers or I could pick. We can do this one of two ways. Some of you are shrinking down in your seat like, oh, my gosh. I got to go roast in the oven. We'll get you out of here quick, I promise. Does anybody like Dr. Pepper? Dwayne, come on up. There you go, brother. Here's your Dr. Pepper. You can pour into this cup. First pour it into this cup. There you go. There's a reason why. Pour as much as you like, as little as you like. Okay. Fill my cup, Lord. I lift it up, Lord. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> now this this can be this can be Dwayne right here. Everybody say Dwayne. You all, okay. So pour that into that. I like Dr. Pepper. You want to drink that Dr. Pepper? Be my guest. Well, you leave the can. You can take the cup. But drink it. Let's see you drink it. It's you opened it. It's not a joke. I know I joke a lot, and that's fair. That is fair. Like, would you want me to drink it first? It's like it's like the king's cupbearer. Like, oh. all right, yeah. All right. It's real Dr. Pepper, right? There's no joke. Nothing up my sleeve. Anybody like Sprite? Joe, come on up. Joe likes Sprite. You can stay up here. There you go, Joe. Brother Sprite there. It's it's really Sprite. Okay. And this can be yours right here. <laughs> Does anybody like Coke? Reagan, you like Coke? Come on up here. You don't have to put your shoes on. It's okay. 
You want me to open this for you? Can you do it? All right, she can do it. Same thing. Yeah, go ahead. Taste of it. Yeah. Well, there we go. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. All in. All right, now take this cup and pour it in here. You can drink all of it if you want. Yeah. Awesome. Partake with us. Holly, come on up here. She doesn't know what I'm doing, so <laughs> go ahead. I do love vinegar. I could do it, but it's not wouldn't be as good. Oh, she actually did it. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, here you go. Here's some water. Miguel, come on up, buddy. I got the water for you. Water, I say water for you. I couldn't, it wouldn't be fair to ask them to do that, Holly. So here you go. No, no, no. No, you're going to do water. I need to do water. It's for my point here. Everybody stay up here for just a second. <laughs> I wash my clothes. So in our house, I wash the clothes. Not because she's not good at it, doesn't want to do it, but I'm a control freak in some ways. But I use vinegar and baking soda. By the way, it's a great, like, better than detergent. So, anyway. We also drink it, yes. Hear my heart today, church. Here we are. Here we are. These cups represent us. Sometimes they're, the cup is what? Half full or half empty. Just is. Depending on your perspective. And, and it's, it's either half full or half empty of something. Of something. Now, all of these, are, I love Dr. Pepper as much as the next guy. Like straight up, especially the real cane sugar, Dr. Pepper. Like, if you haven't had that, brother, it will change your life. Like, it's, it's like God in a bottle. I'm not even kidding. Like, you're just like, wow. Can't be that great. And it is. From Dublin. You got to have it from Dublin. The, the Dublin Dr. Pepper. And I love Sprite. And I love Coke. And I wash my clothes with vinegar. We should have Diet Coke up here. But. But I love most of all, because I work out a lot and my body needs it, and by the way, we all need it, is water. So if this represents us, these cups, every day we have an opportunity to put something in us. Every day. Every day we're going to make a choice to fill our life with something. With something. Dr. Pepper is good. It tastes great. But if that's all I ever drink, guess what I'm going to look like? A Dr. Pepper. We don't even want to read what's in it, so. Sprite's great. The world says drink Sprite. Hey, there's no caffeine. It's safe for your kids, but it's full of sugar. But it's safe. And that Sprite is, 
that Sprite kind of represents the world in this way. It says, hey, you can know enough about God and still know enough about the world. Like, you can almost have the best of both worlds. You can, you can taste and see that God is good, but you, you can also taste that the world, it, it's got enough of God in it, but still got a little bit of the world in it, right? There's no caffeine, so it's not terribly too bad. Dr. Pepper's like, you're just all in. It's like you gave up on life and God. You're just like, I, I'm drinking Dr. Pepper the rest of my life. Coke's the same way. Vinegar, to me, represents the bitterness of life, which leads to anger, which leads to doubt, which leads to fear, which leads to hatred, which leads to malice, which leads to whatever. And it's bitter. And your whole life, when you've prayed, it's like you get up. Sometimes you feel like God gave you vinegar. Like, God, it just life seems bitter to me. I'm bitter because of what has happened to me, what was in my past. I was sexually abused. I was beaten. I was left alone. I was whatever, abandoned, whatever it was. So you're just bitter at God. You're bitter at the world. And, and every day, you're just filling your cup full of bitterness. Every day, it's just, just filling it up, filling it up. Water is not sexy. It's not. Water is not, wow, water, wow. But if you're in a desert and you've been thirsty and you can bear, you're crawling on your hands and knees, you're going to want some water because there's life in it. It's colorless. It's pretty much tasteless, but it's the best thing for us. And so the enemy disguises himself with all of this stuff. And he says, hey, today, put all of that in you. It'll be good for you. It'll be right. Do what feels good. Do what feels right. Stuff it in there. Cram as much as you can in there. And God says, I'm offering you water. It's not a wow factor. You can't even taste it. You can't smell it. There's not even a color to it. But if you will drink it. It will change you from the inside out. When we pray, what we are doing is we're injecting like water into our soul. We're drinking of the Lord. We're tasting of the Lord. And sometimes he says, no, Miguel, you can't have that. No, you can't do that. No, you can't go there. No, I don't want you with that person. No, you shouldn't be friends with him. No, you shouldn't do that. And God says, all right, God, I'm going to drink that water. It's just, it's tasteless. There's, there's nothing to it, but I'll drink it. Isn't that the way the enemy works? He says, here's Dr. Pepper, here's Coke, here's all this stuff, and he shoves it in our face. He says, drink it, drink it, drink it. And we drink it, it's like, oh, that tastes good. Oh, I feel terrible. Said no one ever after drinking Dr. Pepper, but for my illustration. Are you hearing my heart today, church? That when we pray, when we come before a holy God, when we come before the living God, the architect of creation, the same God that literally, the Bible says, he tossed the star, the, the galaxy, he tossed it into the sky. When you go home tonight, there's no clouds, look up and know that God had it in his hands and went. Whoosh. And so when we come before that God, one of us is going to leave changed, and it won't be him. 
It should be us. The question we need to ask ourselves today is, are we willing to, to take what God is giving us? When we pray and we talk with him, are we willing to say, God, I'll take whatever you give me? Let's stand to our feet all across this place. Let's give him a big hand. I'm going to ask our prayer partners, our elders, all of our staff to join me at the front. Before you go today, if you're guests for the first time, once again, thank you for being here. Actually, we do have a meet and greet located on my right, your left, out in the lobby. And uh, we just, Holly and I would love to say hello to you. And maybe you come back for the second or third time and, and we haven't got to, you know, had the opportunity to meet face to face. Just a few moments. Um, please don't go. I'd love to say hi to you personally. Um, but we take an opportunity every Sunday morning to bookend what happens here. We've been talking about prayer. What better way to bookend today? By praying. So what we always do is we open up this area. We encourage you before you go to come and pray. These people that stand before you, they're staff, they're elders, they're qualified people uh, before you. These are leaders of our church. They love you. They want to pray with you. If you're sick in your body, if you want to stand in for someone, maybe there's something like that's so personal, you don't really want to give words to it in front of someone else, but you just want someone to kind of connect with you emotionally, right? Just, hey, I'm in a bad place, and I need prayer. I'm hurting, and that's all I want to say. That's okay. We want to pray with you. So I petition you today. I encourage you. I challenge you today. If you came today and you need to connect with God, this is your opportunity to do it. Whole families can come. You can come by yourself. You can pray at your seat. I'm going to give you a formal dismissal. We're going to continue to sing and worship. We love each and every one of you. It's been great to see you today. But if you want prayer today, if you if you came today and, and, and you want to stand for someone, you want prayer, we want to pray with you. We want to connect with you.